Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey everyone, it's Taylor and Brendan from Blue and Gold Make Darlene. They tell you about the Hockey Podcast Network. Goddamn right we are. You know, there's an entire network. It's not just Blue and Gold Make Darlene. There's 31 podcasts, one for every NHL team. From terrible, horrible teams like the Boston Bruins to some of the best teams in the league like the Buffalo Sabres. Absolutely. And with that being said, if it's a terrible team or if it's a great team, no matter what, you are able to get two episodes a week from all of the hosts. New episodes come out every Monday and Thursday with new content covering everything from the latest that's going on with everyone's respective teams all the way through to doing more fun things like the many trivia games that Taylor and I have on our show. That's right. Hot content, hot takes, hot hosts. Hot hosts. You got it everywhere. Uh, and you you can find them pretty much anywhere you find your podcast. Apple, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Spotify. Stitcher, if you're one of those weirdos like me that uses Stitcher. You use even, Stitcher? I do. Strange. I think I'm the only one who does. Okay. And even at the thehockeypodcastnetwork.com if you're looking for some more info. There's a whole website that That's you right. could go check and hey, out. Maybe it's getting to that point of the season where you're getting sick of the Sabres. I know some of us are. Yeah, you <laughs> you know, this again. West Coast uh, trip is about to be tough. Maybe you want to check in on some of your other favorite teams if you're one of those kind of guys. Absolutely. Well, they're all available and they're all easy to find. Gosh darn right. So be sure to check out the Hockey Podcast Network once again at their website at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. And be sure to follow on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Blue and Gold Make Darlene. As always, I'm Brendan. I'm Taylor. And we are excited to be with you yet again for another one of our quarantine episodes. Uh, Our last episode, if you did not check it out, be sure to go do that. We broke down uh, what we each think the 2022 Team USA Olympic hockey team rosters will be. Uh, Of course, as you would probably imagine, both of our teams, uh, first line center, was a, a very sweet boy known locally to us. Uh, it was a really great uh, exercise, though. We had a ton of fun doing it, so definitely go check that out. Um, but before we get into this week's episode, we have a special message. Taylor? Yeah, let's, let's hear a little bit from our uh, friends at Manscaped. So this episode is sponsored by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Brendan, in these quarantine times, it's easy to overlook some basic grooming. Showers are less frequent. Deodorant becomes optional. Your man parts, well, be honest, it's sort of a mess down there right now. <laughs> Maybe it's time to start cleaning it up. But if you're like me, it can be tough to keep a steady hand working with a razor in such a sensitive reason. It's dangerous. It's a dangerous game. So have Manscapes redesigned the electric trimmer. They spent the past 18 months. That's, that's like the entire time Phil Housley was a Sabres coach. You guys are getting to know us right now perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created they say and just released the new and improved lawnmower 3.0 they sent it to me and wow it's incredible i mean it features cutting edge ceramic blades to prevent manscaping accidents which we all hate those no more cuts or nicks it's easy to use it's safe 
It's so much faster and easier uh, and safer than standard razor. So get the job done quicker, better, and safer. Uh, one of the coolest things is an LED light that illuminates the grooming area for a closer and more precise trimming. That can be helpful. Showers can be dark. Uh, battery lasts 90 minutes. And there's a USB-powered charging dock included. So the thing is with this, too, the product's brand new. Almost no one's used it so far. And I want, you know, all you listeners to be among the first if you're into that. And also if you're a man, I guess. Not all listeners, I suppose. Go to manscaped.com, type in the code THPN to get 20% off and free shipping. That's promo code THPN at manscaped.com. Your little friends will thank you. Wow. Wow. I feel great after that. I'm ready to run through a brick wall right now. Yeah. Anyways, let's uh, so so let's get into the uh, episode, Taylor. I mean, you want to just keep it rolling and uh, talk a little bit about what we're going to be discussing today? Yeah. So I'm sure all you guys probably know the Sabers and MSG have been playing old games uh, during these uh, sports-free times we we're living through right now. Uh, a lot of people, I feel like, have taken to watching old games. NBA League Pass uh, has put a bunch of it, it's. I think they're free for a little while. So they're oh, going to wow. be, yeah. So they're going to, you can go there and watch classic games. NFL is doing a thing with the red zone stuff. I forgot what it is exactly, but then there's, you know, obviously a treasure trove on YouTube and all that, but the Sabres and MSG decided to, to replay some classics uh, over the past couple of weeks and going forward. It seems like this might be a thing that's going on for a little while. And we've been watching a few of them. It's been interesting. We have. Yeah. The first batch Gotta be honest, it was a little weird and lazy. Uh, Strange was- grouping of, of five games for sure. Yeah. A couple of losses, if I'm not mistaken, also. Just the one loss. One loss, okay. Yeah, and they, so it was very evident that it was just games that they had the rights to uh, because I, I, there's some kind of legalese, not easy to understand things here, but basically it seems like most games have dual rights, so you need to get permission from the other team to show your own broadcast live, which is kind of strange. But the Sabres are in a weird situation because there are three other teams that MSG uh, airs their games in, the Islanders, Rangers, and Devils. So any games with those teams, you're kind of just fine. MSG can just play those games. And they had, so in that first slate, you got the four-overtime game from the 1994 playoffs, the 1-0 the game. Hashik shut out. Unbelievable. Yeah, I watched that. Very interesting. You also, that's why you got the Rangers, the first game in Manhattan after 9-11. Yep. Which the Sabres lost, and I couldn't tell you a thing about the game. The jerseys were different. Yeah. They had an Islanders game from 07. It was the the 10th game of their 10-game win streak to open the year. They had the last game at the odd because that was against the Whalers, who don't exist anymore. So they don't have TV rights. Ah. I do not remember what the fifth game was. Uh, off the top of my head was it the sabers rangers and 07 playoffs was it that it may may have been yeah now i'm forgetting myself i can go back and check and see but anyways though and a lot of those three of those were good good enough choices um the last game at the odds a little weird it's non-playoff team against non-playoff team but yeah it was was definitely yeah no definitely i mean i think also people kind of brought up a point because they didn't show the full four overtime game right uh no, they, they've been doing this for a lot of the games where they skip parts of it. They say we have to move forward in the action to fit the time slot. I don't know why. What else is MSG showing? Right, well, that's true. Um, so what's been interesting is uh, – oh, I, I mean, so much of it's been interesting. But the fact that they saw that 
people's reaction to that? Like, why are you showing this this post 9-11 game? And why did you put that Islanders one on there? Yeah, no uh, idea. Very strange. So they moved into the next week, which was this past week. They did all 05-06 games. From and, the stretch run, too, from, like, March on, pretty much. Yeah, the last three were. Two of them were kind of earlier. Oh, yeah, there was, wasn't was there, like, a, actually, like, an earlier one? Yeah. Yeah, there's one. Again, they did another one that was the – I think it was Philly that they beat. I struggle to remember here. But it was a team – it was at the end of, like, a seven- or eight-game win streak for the Sabres. So they've done this thing that's kind of weird that they're pinpointing the last game of a win streak. Yeah. Which is an impressive point in the season, but not necessarily better. So WGR's Mike Shope pointed out the first six games of the 06-07 season are, like, wall-to-wall bangers. All interesting. Right. You got a Carolina revenge game. You had the October storm games with the Rangers in Detroit. You got a couple other interesting games. The 10th game where they beat the Islanders in front of, like, barely any fans at Nassau Coliseum. It's kind of dull. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, who cares? Like, I mean, even a better choice would have been their first loss that year, which I think was a 12-round shootout. Um, so some of those choices were a little odd, but the ones against Ottawa were good. Uh, you could forget that there was a time when one of the best rivalries in hockey was the Sabres and the Senators, which seems insane. Right. Um, yeah, and before we get into what they've shown so far in too much more detail, they have released a schedule for this upcoming week, and they're getting to what we all wanted them to get to, I think. Yes. Which is the playoffs. Uh, okay, so starting Monday, they will be showing games one, two, five, and six of the 2006 first-round series over Philadelphia. They'll be showing the four wins, which is good. No more showing losses. Yes. And then Friday, they'll be showing a Beyond the Blue and Gold special on that season. Uh, I'm more excited for this than I was for the other two by like 10 miles uh, for a couple of reasons. But first of all, this series was wild. First yeah. Game, first round series. This was a fun one. Um, they beat the so final. many moments, so yeah. many moments in it. They had an eight, two win and a seven, one win in the same series. Right. And that goes with, they had, an, we talked about this, like, I don't know what, two months ago about playing old games. The Sabres should play more old games on TV. Mm-hmm. And what I mentioned was, the 01 Sabres Flyers first round series where the Sabres uh, closed out that series in game six by winning eight, nothing. So they have a history of doing that against the Flyers, but game one of that series is a Friday night. Uh, it was a three, two win over Philadelphia. It was in double overtime. Danny Breer had 14 shots, but didn't score into the last, uh, the, the winner in double overtime. Uh, Brian Campbell's hit on RJ Umberger in the first overtime. Wild stuff all around. Two, yeah, I, I think that's really just – you have, you know, a, a lot of times with these games, you know, you think about it from, like, the one moment, whereas this game was so special that it has two of those moments that, like, you always look back on. I mean, yeah. obviously, like, Campbell's hit is – you know, the Umberger hit will go down in history that will never be forgotten ever. But Briere's goal, I mean, how many times do you see that replay – you know, the banners that the banner that is currently in uh, Key Bank Center celebrating the 50th anniversary, the, the shot of Danny Briere on that is him, I'm pretty sure, after scoring that goal. Um, you know, I, you, you, you can't get much more than that. And I think that the thing that's really cool, too, about, you know, that series is the Sabres that season. I mean, yeah, they put up, uh, I believe, what was it, 110 points that year. Um, but going, you know, t- towards like the last 
end of the season, like the end of the season stretch, when you get into the final couple games, they were under the impression that they were going to probably either be playing like the Devils or the Rangers. They didn't think that they were going to have to play the Flyers because, you know, uh, that that Flyers team was really solid. I mean, you have, you know, Peter Forsberg, obviously, and Simone Gagne, who – you know, the 506 season, those guys, they, that line was just automatic, those two. Yeah. Um, so, you know, going into that, you really, you know, aren't feeling super good about the Sabres' chances. You know, it's their first time in the postseason since that 01, uh, since the 01 playoffs. Um, and it just didn't seem, you know, you just didn't think that they were going to be able to hang with a team like Philly. And then they just go and, yeah. I mean, you have a couple of those moments where, like, the Campbell hit kind of sets the tone, and then Briere scores, and it's like, oh, my God, they have the lead. And then after that, it just kind of seemed like they were – it was cruise control from there on out. I mean, obviously, it went yeah. six games, but, like, the Sabres then really, you know, getting through that first game and playing with Philly the way that they did, that really set the tempo for them to kind of start off this crazy run that they ended up going on. Yeah, it was really – I mean, it's interesting. It's, it's interesting that we felt that way, too, because it, they were the four seed, so they were technically the favorite in the series. Uh, right, but, but yeah, but even still, you know – sorry to interrupt, but I was just going to say the other thing I forgot to mention, too, is, is that, of course, one of the, the great parts about that season is the fact that at the start of the year, nobody expected the Sabres to be a playoff team because of how young they were. Right, they'd been bad. Uh, I mean, the thing was, a lot of people were, were putting them, like, 14th, in the East or like 28th in the conference. That is a little weird because before the lockout in 0304, they were, I th- they just missed the playoffs. They weren't terrible or anything. And they hadn't been that bad in a long time. I mean, mm-hmm. during the, uh, um, the, the season where they almost moved the, the season where the Regis's got arrested, they were 12th in the East, still not bottom three. Right. I know that they love doing that now, but, uh, like, so that was a little bit weird. I think they were definitely underrated to start because they had Breer and Jury, and they were going to have good goaltending, whether Miller was going to reliably, reliably be up or not. And they, I just think if you look at the team from what you thought before the year, you would have never thought this team was this close to the Stanley Cup. But they look solid. Like, they had, you know, Talinder, Ludman, Kalinin on defense. They didn't know Campbell was going to be what he was yet. Um, and then four of McKee, McKee as well, yeah. You have Breer and Drury. You have Sal. Temple Newman, him too. And Newman, they're they had a great top six that year, yeah. yeah. Connolly's healthy. Um, that was pretty big. Mm-hmm. And then you're looking at, like, so you have Derek Roy, Paul Gostad, Jason Pominville, and one other rookie that came up that year, and I'm blanking into that. Oh, Vanek. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, those guys are pretty much why it was a surprise and why Cam- Campbell ended up being so good and Miller being so good. But it, an interesting thing looking back at that season is they start out really hot in October and then they really fall off. The thing Jim Lorenz is talking about during the Flyers game that they show, which was a regular season Flyers game, they really they didn't seem like they were any kind of like special team until they they go on another run in December and then the second half of the year they're awesome. Right? Isn't I believe the stat is like they had. They started off the season, I think it was like seven and eight or something through their first 15. And then in their next 50 games, they had only eight regulation losses. Wow. And they were like six. What? And <laughs> yeah, I know. They were that's like, like last year, Tampa Bay Lightning stuff. Like that's, yeah. that's nuts. It, yeah. It, it was incredible while it was happening, but yeah, they were like six and two and then they were seven and eight like that. And it's like, Oh, okay. 
that's something they would be like now. But yeah, just the second half of the year is incredible. And I was somewhat confident going into uh, playing Philadelphia, but Philadelphia was like, they were legit. And they had been uh, legit pretty much the entire time since the mid nineties. So it was tough to know what to expect in that series. Luckily, uh, Robert Ash was awful. So that was, that was good. That worked Thank out. Well. Uh, but the thing was, we, I don't think any of us were really confident in a potential series against Ottawa. As it turned out, uh, Carolina should have been who we were worried about, but Carolina was kind of like us in the sense that people did not expect at all for them to be as good as they were. Right. Ottawa had been good since really the late nineties and they'd always failed in the playoffs and they never made a cup at that point, but they, they were stacked and they had Alfredson, Spetson, and Heatley. That was probably the best line in hockey. And that year they had Hashik. <laughs> it was one of the most important things that happened for the Sabres that year was that Hashik got hurt at the Olympics right. playing, playing for Chuck um, because then they had to play Ray Emery for the rest of the year and the playoffs who was awful. <laughs> Bad. <laughs> to put it mildly, he was not good in the playoffs. Um, yeah. So, a couple of things I thought were interesting in watching some of these old games. Uh, at the odd, at the one end, it's basically the other side of the boards if you're looking from where the camera angle always is. Uh, there was a Bud Ice advertisement. <laughs> nice. And, I know. And then I looked, and obviously they they switch it over to the what's the Key Bank Center now. I think it was HSBC at that point. And it's a Bud Light ad in like 2007. 2006 hmm. and it might still be a Bud Light ad shows how the times change wow I mean that's at the uh I think I'm trying to think if that was the last game at the odd or the four overtime game anyway Bud Ice used to be the thing I guess it was the way to go wow interesting what, yeah is that your go-to ever I don't think I've ever had a Bud Ice and I'm not sure they still make it I was gonna say they must be discontinued at this point yeah I mean Maybe I'm not sure. I mean, I've, I, I'm a, I'm a guy who likes a, a beer every once in a while. Of course. And I've literally, I don't think I've ever seen a Bud Ice. Yeah, I don't think I ever actually have either. Let's it, let's do some research and see. Yeah, I'm gonna look this up right now. I'm pretty sure that's not a thing, <laughs> but it's definitely not at the forefront. Like they're paying top dollar to have like a boards advertisement in an NHL arena. I mean, I don't think they're. Budweiser or Anheuser-Busch is putting <laughs> that kind of uh, juice behind Bud Ice these days. Right, right. This article says, remember Bud Ice. Damn. R.I.P. We'll miss you. Well, I'm not going to read this, obviously, but the, the lead-in says, before the rise of hazy IPAs and barrel-aged brews, ice beer was as forward-thinking as it got. Like, I've had Natty Ice and Keystone Ice, Labatt Ice. I can't recommend any of them. No, I was going to say, I've never had one that's be like, oh, well, you know, it's a great iced beer. Like, nah. Yeah. So some things like that I thought were interesting. So lo- watching 0506 was, everyone seemed to have the same reaction on Twitter, which is, wow, Jim Lorenz was good at this. Yeah. Wow, he was. He was very good. He was excellent. <laughs> it's a little bit different, the broadcast. Uh, Rick Jenner is so much better than the now. So much more life in his voice. So much more energy. I mean, I forgot how he made. He's got a little bit more. He had a little bit more to be excited about back then, though. That's true. That's true. You know, obviously, everyone gets old. It's kind of unfortunate to see. He's done this for more than 50 or right around 50 years now. So I get it. So I'm not I'm not dissing the guy, but 
he used to be unbelievably energetic. And it's almost kind of insane to watch these games because he's at like the pitch of someone like scoring a playoff overtime goal all the time. Yeah. I kind of forgot how, what it was like watching that just, and it wasn't the same. It wasn't necessarily like that in the nineties games I watched, but I don't know. Some, just something I noticed. Uh, and then obviously in 05, 06, and I'm trying to remember when they switched this up. Ray was on the intermission show with Robitaille and Sylvester. Mm-hmm. And then by 06, 07, he's between the benches though. Yeah. I don't know. I, uh, I, I honestly am not super solid with that timeline um, yeah. in terms of like when that happened and stuff. But I mean, back to like the main point though. Yeah. I mean, uh, G- Jim Lorenz was in a league of his own, you know, yeah. and it kind of just goes to show listening back to that. And then to what we have now, I guess how lacking we are. One thing that actually really stood out to me that I think is worth bringing up and this kind of brings it back to like the today's Sabres. Um, so over the weekend, uh, the Sabres put out a new Beyond Blue and Gold, um, and it was featuring Marty Braun, Danny Briere, Jay McKee, and J.P. Dumont, all playing cards together and reminiscing about the 05-06 season. So it's great because those four, like when they would go on road trips and stuff, were always the ones who would play cards together. Um, so they would. it was great because it was like, you know, it was just like they had – old buddies getting together to play cards and like, you know, talk about old stories. It was great. And, you know, when they're talking about, it was about like the 05, 06 season pretty much as a whole going from like the start of the season and before the season, even, um, you know, like lockout and pre lockout all the way through, obviously, of course, to the Carolina series. But one of the things that they mentioned um, that really kind of like struck a chord with me and just, was just one of the things that you just had to love about this team was um, when putting this team together, of course they bring in Chris Drury and, you know, they had made a point of saying that when the Drury move happened, that everybody in the room kind of knew the gravity of it because, you know, it's a guy who he was in his prime, but also he, you know, was a winner. Like he has a cup. He's like this guy who is like a veteran presence. He's a leader. And he came in and pretty much this really young locker room, he came in and one of the first things that he did was um, say, like, why are there no pictures of the Stanley Cup in the locker room? Like, you need to be reminded of, like, what we're playing for. And just, like, something like that where you – just imagine having that for today's Sabres. If you have, obviously, Jack, who, you know, in a lot of ways, like, he is a leader. And Briere was was a very vocal leader for them, too. Um, you know, so that's not to say take anything away from like his, his leadership ability, but uh, imagine like today having a guy being able to come in and say like, you know what, Jack, like, let me take some of this burden off of you from the leadership and like, let's put our goals in focus here because like, how often have uh, Jimmy VC was right? Yeah. Jimmy. V. Yeah. <laughs> But that's the thing. Like, I don't even know who a guy who that would even be like a comparable of something like that in today's NHL, who would be like a realistic option to bring in the guy who's, you know, still in his prime and is a proven leader with like a lot of juice left and who could come in and like take some of that burden of like the leadership off of Jack. I just don't really know. But like the fact that Drury came in and did that, you know, with just like having like Stanley Cups up and like making sure that everybody knew what the motivation was and what they were playing for. It seems like it's a little thing. And yeah, maybe to some people, they may think that it's like corny or cliche or whatever. But like, I don't know, to me, that just like kind of struck a chord with me and really matters, I guess, having that kind of a 
a presence in the room. What are you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, obviously it was huge. I think we talked about in the past how the team is still really talented after those guys left, but they were prone to losing streaks and slumps and probably losing games they shouldn't have and never really winning big games. And I think that it was partly probably a leadership thing, especially Absolutely. with, you know, losing both your captains. Uh, it is fascinating. Also with them playing cards, there's definitely a Thomas Vanek joke to be made that I can't think of. But Why with up. him playing cards or something? Yeah, Thomas, Thomas Vanek and gambling, some, some, something of that variety. Ah, gotcha. Uh, yeah, I'll work on it. Maybe I'll have one for next week. But yeah, that's, I mean, it's a fascinating group of guys because an interesting thing, I think, uh, dynamic with the 05, 06, first 06, 07 is they lose Dumont, McKee, and Greer, which yeah. is none of those guys are around for the the next season. Um, so I, I, I always wonder, like, if they value things differently or if they, I don't know, I don't know what they could have done to keep everyone, but... It, I think it did hurt a little bit to not. Wasn't because they were worrying about making making future signings. That's for sure. Yeah. Obviously. Did you see? Obviously. Did you see the Buffalo News article that came out? Um, that was essentially like saying what would have happened if the Sabers like had re-signed Briere and Drury. So I've seen the series, the What If series. I have not seen that one specifically. It was. Um, what's the word heartbreaking kind of uh so essentially the premise of it is obviously you can't specifically say you know if this team was going to go on to win a cup had Briere and Drury stayed one thing I will note though as a quick sidebar in the uh beyond blue and gold uh Briere literally almost made me like start crying at one point because he was like we really thought in that moment that like after the Carolina series, we were like, we're coming back and this team is going to be a powerhouse in the league for the next five to six years. Like we are going to be what the NHL is modeled after. And that really sucked. But anyways, though, uh, back to the Buffalo news piece. So the thing that was like crazy about it was obviously, you know, we can all say, I mean, I pretty confidently think that they could have won one had Briere and Drury stayed and everything kind of fallen into place. If they, because of the fact that they could have signed those contracts in their, like before the 06 07 season, which Briere had the 5 by 25, Drury, I believe, had like a four year deal. Um, anyways, million. though, what's that? 23 million. Right, right. So they signed those deals. Um, you really don't have to worry about getting rid of, uh, of Miller or Campbell for that matter. You could sign Vanek still and you're fine. The thing was, though, was obviously it's saying, you know, a big part of it, as I mentioned, was what happens if they, you know, in terms of winning. But also the thing that I thought was interesting, though, is that had those signings happen, Leno, Erhoff, Opozo, all of these signings never happen. Opozo? Essentially, yeah, that's what it kind of alluded to, that the Leno and Erhoff signings wouldn't have happened. And like the timeline would have just gotten pushed back. So like there would be no Jack too, because if the team was still good, you just don't know what's going to happen with like Briere's career and Drury's career. I mean, Drury obviously retired earlier, but it was essentially saying that like your timeline, I mean, you know, Briere signs a five-year deal. I mean, he's with the team through like 2012 by that point. And Opozo signs what a year and a half later. 
No, Pozo's summer 2016. Was he 16? I thought he was well, the 15 one. Um, either way, though, like you kind of get up to that point where like maybe you don't run into those signings. But at the very least, though, Erhoff and Lano probably don't happen. Yeah. I mean, those are both compliance buyouts, though. So they – I mean, they, I don't want to say they lucked out, but they didn't get too hurt by either of those. Unfortunately, they also had to – buy out Hodgson now I'm gonna mix this up they had to buy out all three of those guys within like a year so one of them wasn't a compliance buyout don't remember which one anyway but the moves never even happened in the first place though is essentially oh yeah no I it's it's interesting and I think we've we talked about in a recent show what what the move basically would be with the benefit of hindsight my move is not signing jury at all it was Briere. I mean, that had yeah, to. Have, benefit yeah. of hindsight, I think, because you, you obviously you can't you can't keep everyone that contributed on those teams. Uh, and the easiest one, I think, like the guy who would, if you're just looking at the slate of Briere, Drury, Campbell, Miller, Vanek, Pominville, and Roy, the easy one, like to not include that is Drury. Right, and I think that's the thing is that a lot of people. I know we mentioned this before too, as you mentioned, but a lot of people today we'll say like oh no Drury was the one who everybody wanted to keep and like people definitely wanted to keep Drury but a lot of people also wanted to keep Briere the guy scored 95 points yeah I think people were kind of split definitely around here right uh, on which one you'd rather keep I mean uh, (laughs) it ended up being pretty obvious which one you should keep right Uh, yeah it would have been interesting I mean it changes everything for a franchise if you have those guys around I mean, the, the, if that doesn't happen, if that day doesn't happen, the Sabres aren't where they are right now. Like, the that day, I, I know we say this a lot, and I know this isn't necessarily a hot take, but it's pretty crazy to think that, like, the events of that day, I, I believe, indirectly have led to where we are right now. Yeah. Uh, I think things still would have gotten bad for a couple reasons. Uh, first of all, I think the Pagulas get involved kind of regardless. I don't think Galsano was interested in owning them long-term and Pagulas were the, the natural progression. Right. Uh, second, Darcy, even while this was going on, was in the midst of a terrible slate of drafts, which have not, not subsided since he left. No, that's definitely true. Um, and then this team gets old at some point, obviously, you know, even maybe it's in that 2012 range where, where they kind of went downhill anyway, instead, except instead of, you know, it going downhill from this weird disappointing era, it's after like a fun one where they make the playoffs every year and make some noise. And maybe, I mean, they're probably selling around that point anyway. And then I don't know what happens. I think they're probably still bad. I think you still might get Jack and Sam. Well, the thing is though, what I'm saying though, is that, I'm not saying that there's no way that they wouldn't have eventually gotten bad because I mean, that's just naturally going to happen. But given the events, like in terms of how they have actually panned out and how like history has kind of played out, you can trace back, I think at least to an extent, just, I don't I don't know if it's like evaluating or team building or what you want to call it, but those two leaving just marked a drastic change just in terms of what kind of franchise we were. And they still haven't recovered from that is more so what I'm trying to get at. I agree. They definitely haven't recovered from that. They haven't won a playoff series. They've only been to the playoffs twice. It's been bad. Yeah. Um, I think, I think though that them, 
the fact that they weren't signed was also kind of a sign with how the franchise operates. And it, it changed in a couple ways after that, but they were, they've been willing to spend money, especially since the bought the team. And even when Golisano was still there, they still ponied up for Vanek, Roy, and Pominville. For some reason, not Campbell. But there was a, a kind of a weird pall that was cast over the entire four or five years after that. And I, I think it definitely affected the players. And it def- definitely affected the outcome. So even though if they they probably would still end up being uh, being where they are now and bad franchise and kind of in limbo, but you would have had a fun little era there, right? Missed out on, you know, and it really did change a lot about how people felt about the Sabers because they 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 had a kind of a remarkable comeback. They were so so fun in the '90s. People were you know super into them in the Hashik era. That ends and coinciding with that ending is. Paco leaving, it's that weird, like, crushing loss in the 0-1 playoffs, and then Hashik's gone, Pekka's gone, um, and then they're just bad, and then their owners go to jail, and then they're bankrupt, and it seems like they might move. And it just happened so fast. And there was, like, eight or, eight or 9,000 people going to games. It was really sad for a little while. And then they were back, and they were the most popular. Like, they were unbelievably popular. I, I feel like I have a hard time describing the people that weren't around in 06 and 07 what it was like, especially on the day of, like, a playoff game. Oh, yeah. There's, I even feel like they were popular nationally too. Like it was. Yeah, an, oh yeah, true. They were just one of those teams that just people really liked to root for. Yeah, I remember specifically as an eighth grade, no seven, is during the, I think the Rangers series. I was doing a group project in my uh, this, this one girl that I went to school with at her. We had like a five person group, and uh, her whole family was wearing like matching Briere slug jerseys like the day of the game and you'd see them everywhere. Like they, they must've sold so much with like slug merchandise. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, and people still love them and people around here still love hockey and people still watch literally every NHL related event that exists in unbelievable numbers, but there's definitely not a, I know I just said they love them, but there's definitely not the same emotion towards the Sabres. You know what the bill's getting good. Totally I, not. Yeah. There's been a huge shift, which I didn't, I never thought would happen around here, but I think it happened. Uh, to the bill. I never would have thought it would have either, but yeah. Yeah. Well, this is sad now. Let's let's liven this up a little bit because here's something else I, I noticed in 0506. Okay. Power plays. A lot oh, of them. I thought you said you want to get happy. It's just going to make me sad again. Think about how bad our power play is now compared to that. No, I don't think about that. You know, I was, I was just reading, um, like I, I mentioned before, uh, Down Goes Brown's History of the NHL by Sean McIndoe. And this is kind of an interesting thing about scoring went down for like a really long time in a row. Like coming yeah. right before that lockout, that 0506 lockout, it was just at five goals a game. Bad, not good. Yeah, that means the average game was like three to two or worse. So that was obviously not good. And the only reason it really popped up in 0506 is because power plays like exploded unbelievably. Right. And yeah, the game is called a little different now. Players definitely adjusted. But I think after that first year, a lot of owners and GMs were kind of like, "Hey, this isn't. I don't like this." And they Which stupid sucks. Yeah, it's, it does suck. And then they, they, they cut way back on uh, penalty calls, basically, the next year. And then they kept doing that. And then it got to another kind of weird inflection point, like five years ago, four years ago. But anyway, that was another thing I noticed. And uh, 
something else their power plays were badass i think we need to take a minute to like think just to acknowledge though those two units that they had oh my god i mean the depth of those teams for one obviously is something but like rolling out oh my god they didn't really have like a superstar not necessarily i mean had like a a cavalcade of guys so many guys like i kind of forgot about it and it's 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 incredible too because even the they had guys who weren't particularly, quotes, good offensive players, or they couldn't score or whatever. Like, Andrew Peters still played for that team. He played almost every night. Right. But they most of their guys could, like – they had probably three lines of guys where you're like, oh, you got to watch out. Yeah. Okay. Oh, like my they, God, yeah. Like, you know, you're not watching out for Paul Gostad, but Paul Gostad was solid. Mm-hmm. Same with Adam Mayer. Obviously, they had some other guys that weren't as solid, but – well, it, the thing is, is like, I mean, think about how they were deploying the lines, though. You have a first line, quote unquote, of what was it? It was um, Greer, Drury, and Afiniganov, right? Yeah. And then your second oh, line, line. Right, right. And then your second line is Briere, Dumont, Hash, which was just amazing. And then yeah. your third line is Roy Vanek and Pominville. Yeah. I mean, oh my God. And then. I mean, there you go. You have literally nine guys. That, I mean, the worst guy there, I guess, from like a power play perspective is probably Greer, I guess. But I mean, even he was, he's just a solid finisher and net front presence, you know? Like, Where was Connolly? Oh, you know what? Connolly must have, because when there was like the late call-ups because of injuries and stuff. So Connolly, was he the one, was he playing with Afiniganov actually? Trying to think. 0506 was definitely less clear because Breer and Dumont missed a huge chunk of the season. Right. And they still were good. They did, still didn't have any problems. And that's when a lot of those guys came up. So a lot of them didn't play together. And when they were pretty healthy by the playoffs, they were benching Vanek every once in a while. Actually, they were benching Vanek quite a bit in the playoffs. Right. Wow. Yeah. I, well, either way, <laughs> that's the thing. Again, Connolly, too. I mean, that's the other thing to keep in mind, too. You know, you. I think when we think back on these, you know, the, like the lost, uh, you know, playoffs of 0506 with Carolina, I mean, that's tough. But also, you know, in a different frame of it, I mean, think about what happens if what if Tim Connolly's career is pretty much just like a, a fraction of like not as injury ridden. I mean, how different are is things? How different is 07? I mean, how like all of it, you know? Yeah, it's uh... – yeah, the Colony one's tough to think about. He definitely didn't have the career he should have had. Um, yeah, it's these are fascinating to look back on. They really solid, and we mentioned the defense before, but man, Teppo Newman was legit. And yeah, he, he was older, and I don't think he was expected to, you know, carry the load like he did earlier in his career. But he was awesome on the power play. He had a ton of assists, and then like you basically didn't have any weaknesses there. Kind of the same thing. I mean, Campbell by that point was really starting to come into his own. Uh, and then you had Tolina Ludman, Kalinin. Kalinin could he he racked up points as well. Yeah, true. Also, I have an update here. Uh, in the for like the Philly series, the Lions, it was Dumont, Briere, Hash, Greer, Drury, Roy, Kotalik, Connolly, Afiniganov. Forgot about Kotalik, Vanek, Gostad, Pominville. Pominville in the fourth line, huh? I know Vanek was Vanek was in and out of the lineup. He got in Lindy's doghouse. Right. Connolly, Kotalika, Fenneganoff. Fun line. Probably not great in their own zone. 
Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> that that line was. Panic, little- Gostad, Pominville, though, as your good God. I, I was watching. I'm trying to remember which game it was. It might have been the Philly game. You know, you know what they showed it. Uh, I think it was last Monday. They they it was a Washington game near the beginning of the year where the Sabers won eight five. So fun. But one of the really cool things they show in it is Cota Leak scores one of his Cota Leak goals where he just like picks up the puck like 18 feet out and like flicks his wrist and it's you know top top corner. Right. And I was like, that's the only thing you did. You did that in power play. Or, well, shootouts. Shootout. Yeah. Yeah. You did that in shootouts, and that was like. That was it. That, That's you, good. You really straightforward with what your skill set was. You didn't lie you to us. You a couple of those. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was that was definitely interesting. Yeah, the, the Washington game was wild. It's early Ovechkin. Yep. First time they play him. And they do a pro – because they, for some reason, showed Washington's broadcast. They show a promo for um, his upcoming game against Pittsburgh, his first ever game against Crosby. No way, really. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. And they show at one point a rookie leaderboard in uh, the leading rookie scorers, and it's Ovechkin one, Crosby two, and Thomas Vanek three. Really? Yeah. And okay. Merrick Vatos was on it. ABT, that's a name. Didn't pan out. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, it was interesting. Like, Ovechkin was second in the league in goals. Yeah, he was a freak. Chichu passed him, and I think Ovechkin ended up being third behind Chichu and Yager. But, like, holy hell. Remember when Jonathan Chichu just, like, scored 50 goals? <laughs> he scored 56 goals that year, yeah. Insane. Yeah. For anyone that has never seen it, look up the Train Train Chichu Train video on YouTube someday. You won't be disappointed. Yeah, you will not be. Um, so, yeah, anything else? What, what, um, so, they, I don't think they've announced what they're going to do next week. So, this week is the 6th through the 10th. They have that Philly series and the special. Right. What do you want to see them do like the 13th through the 17th? What are some games you'd be interested in? So one of the ones that from the start I would love to see is just like, give me a game from the 92 series where LaFontaine and Mogilny or the 92 season where uh, LaFontaine and Mogilny are both putting up like five points each or something. Just a, a random, I don't, I don't need anything specific, just like a really fun and exciting regular season game. I mean, those guys were scoring at unbelievable rates. We all know that's the year Mogilny puts up 76 and LaFontaine sets the franchise record for points. Um, I'd love to see this. What's that? 95 assists. Unbelievable. Yeah. Three goals. It, it is insane. And so I would just love to see just them just firing from all cylinders, a random game there. Um, I really, really, really want to see – game six against Carolina in the 06 playoffs. I was at that game. And so I've actually never, I didn't get to watch it on TV and I would love to. That was Briere scoring. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Which I know like, it's pretty well known. Like people always kind of look at that as being like the loudest that like the arena has ever been. And like, I, that's the great, like the greatest sports moment. One of the greatest just like moments of my life was being at that game. And I, will never forget literally the building was shaking. Like you felt like it was an earthquake inside the building. So I would love to see that just to hear, like just to see the crowd and like just how just raucous it was. Like it was awesome. Um, trying to think what else. I mean, I kind of like had said, like when they announced that they were starting to do this, that I would love to have just seen a bunch of just oh, like oh five oh six oh six oh seven games um, just where they're just, 
kicking ass. So like you had mentioned with like the, the run to start off the season um, in 06, 07, if they wanted to show any of those games, like within the first, like the 10 game winning streak to start off the year, that'd be awesome. Um, pretty much just like nothing from the past decade. Just give me everything, <laughs> everything from the two thousands. Yeah, I agree. A couple other things uh, I'd like to see. You mentioned uh, the 92, 93 season, the Mayday game. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see that. Uh, I didn't see it because I was uh, three months old. A uh, couple other ones I think would be interesting. Uh, specifically, the 0506 season, the 10-1 win over the Kings. They Ooh. scored a bunch of goals in very short order. I think they had a was it 9-1 win over Philadelphia at the beginning of 06-07 that ended Robert Esch's career. And actually... Yeah, um, I'm kicking ass, honestly. Like, yeah. yeah. Shred and Reagan at the time someone they either made it or someone sent in it was um, a mashup of okay goes here we go again remember those guys oh yeah and uh the cool treadmill video except it was intercut with the saber scoring on robert esh that's beautiful yeah that was fun hitchcock got fired that was cool uh so so you, about you? yeah you have any other games you're really looking yeah. for? uh so i assume they're gonna show the ottawa series from 06 at some point yeah I would like to see games one and five. I know they won two and three. They won three in overtime, I think, on a Dumont goal. Mm-hmm. Two, I don't remember at all, but game one was electric. 7-6 win. Insane. Absolutely yeah. insane game. Just game back and five. forth. Yeah, game five was a Friday night. I think those were. I think one and five might have both been Friday nights. They're both weekend nights. Mm-hmm. And, wow, game five, not, as, not like game one, obviously, but – you get the Pominville goal. Yeah, and then, I mean, the Carolina series, like you mentioned, game six. And then, like I've been saying, like like I said a couple months ago, 0-1, game six against Philadelphia. Show it. it. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I need to be more well-versed on that, really that whole year, because it is kind of forgotten in, in Sabres lore, just because it yeah. kind of fits right between – 506 and then, of course, like the, the Cup in 99. So it's – the, the forgotten season. Yeah. It's Hashik's last stand as a saber. Uh, it's really the end of that whole era. And it's, it's, a, it's really kind of crushing because they're up three, two on Pittsburgh after that Stu Barnes goal mm-hmm. when game five and Oh six uh, game six and game seven, they probably could have won both uh, as a heartbreaking Martin Straka goal. I believe there's one that kind of just bounced past Hashik. It's super oh, It's It's unbelievably unlucky. Uh, and then they would have faced the Devils in the conference final, who they weirdly were 4-0 against that year. Right, right. I don't know if they had the number or whatever. Uh, I don't think they would have won the Cup that year, but a conference final run or who knows, maybe a Stanley Cup run where they would have got to play Colorado. Ray Bork. That was his, amazing. Finally winning his Cup, and he does it against Buffalo. Yeah, wow. Anyway. All this nostalgia is making me sad, Taylor. Well – just think of Alesh Kodalik, like picking at the puck at the top of the circle, firing at scoring, and then you not noticing him again for 48 games. Not 48. That's, that's too mean. Uh, not noticing him for like three weeks later to shoot out, and you're like, damn, that was awesome. <laughs> Where's that guy? Uh, well, any last thoughts to Sarah Taylor before we sign off? Uh, no, just a reminder to everyone that we're once a week now because of the pandemic uh follow the hockey podcast network all that stuff check out the other shows if you want i'm sure they're doing interesting stuff like this 
Definitely. I'm, I would hope so. You know, just going into the, into the history vault and, and, uh, reminiscing you know what i actually was thinking about that i don't really ever think of like for carolina that's like the buffalo series and uh they probably don't care about it as much well i mean a seven game series that's true i wonder what their big ones are there i mean obviously beating edmonton it's got we should we should do a pod with the carolina people and try and not get in like a fight with them but fight what's that you won't get in a fight. No promise. What are you mad about? But what I was going to say is that we just like ask them kind of about it from their perspective because I think that'd be kind of interesting. I would like to talk to them because especially if they're old enough to remember like all of their runs, they're like like a, have a fascinating, bizarre history. Like they were in the cup in 02 against Detroit. They beat um, Toronto and that 02 Hurricanes. I'll say it to them. I don't yeah. care. It might be the worst team that's made a cup in the last like 20 years. Yeah. Which is fine. They made a cup. That's not a diss. Um, and then, like, almost completely different team wins the cup in 06. They missed the playoffs twice after that, which you almost never do after winning a cup. And then 09, they, like, randomly make the conference finals. And then they don't make the playoffs for a decade. And they're in the conference finals again. Strange. It's bizarre, yeah. And there's a stretch for, like, a couple years where whoever won a Carolina or a New Jersey series um, went to the cup. Wow. It is weird. It's like I think oh two, oh three, oh six, oh nine. I didn't make it no nine. I don't know. There's a whole to do. I don't know. I'd have to look up that. Oh well, yeah. Hey man, uh, go hard or go home. You know, if you're yeah. gonna go to the playoffs, you might as well make it count. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, I encourage everyone to enjoy those Sabres games. Find other sports on YouTube. Pretty much everything with the NBA is on YouTube. And the NBA, like I said, free league pass if you want to try that out. Watching old sports is fun. Good times indeed. I know you've been, I see on your Instagram, you've been ripping through old games. Yeah, that, that was a nice gem I found, the 91 Tennessee-Notre Dame game. Mm-hmm. That was a fun one. Very cool, very cool. Yeah. All right, everybody. Well, thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, like Taylor said, be sure to check out all of the other shows as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. We appreciate you all so much for tuning in. We'll be back next week, and it's now time for us to end this episode with our Random Sabres Player of the Week which we are going to share with you all now in three, two, one. Alesh Kodal. Taylor Pyatt.